0: Welcome to I Love My HBCU Question Mark, the podcast where we express our undeniable love for HBCUs, but where we are also not afraid to address a few tough questions. So, sit back, learn a little, love a lot, and rep your HBCU. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of I Love My HBCU Question Mark. I am ecstatic, is the right word, to welcome Council President Nick Mosby to I Love My HBCU Question Mark. If you know anything about him, you know he is a proud HBCU alum from Tuskegee University, but I'm going to be quiet. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Dr. Tolson. Thank you so much for having me on. I look forward to talking about uh, how I love my HBCU.
0: I love it. I love it. So Tuskegee University. So you share something. So for those who've been listening, they know that my academic my academic home is Morgan State University. I yeah. love my HBCU question mark. Have has nothing to do with Morgan. However, I rep Morgan State University hard. And you American. share something with my president.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another Tuskegee both. man.
0: There
1: we go. There we yeah. go. I, I um, always, hesit- I don't hesitate to uh, not say that. I, I've had a couple of speeches at Morgan uh, and talk about all the exciting things that are happening on the campus and his leadership. And I don't hesitate to talk about that. It's done by a Tuskegee man. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Um. I Listen, uh, can I say that? Listen, I can say that because I've got a Tuskegee man on on, on the episode today. When I watch some of our Black men doing some amazing things, there's some commonalities you have. And Tuskegee, for some of you, happened to be one of those commonalities. So
1: it's a, lot, a lot, of, lot of amazing people doing a lot of amazing things that uh, Tuskegee was their home. So, you know, very proud to be an alum um, and definitely excited about, you know, all experiences I had there and how I could pass it on to other folks.
0: So for those who don't know you, those who are local to Baltimore know exactly who you are. I, I, I like to call you one of those extremely active uh, members of our city. But for those who don't know you, what does council president, I'm going to keep on saying council president because that's your full title. Well,
1: Hopefully throughout this process, you'll just say Nick.
0: Nick, but People okay. know my
1: title, council president, Dr. Tolson.
0: I no, call me Tosin. You're doing I'll that intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nick, what does what does Nick like about Baltimore, especially in this role of yours where it has you touching several parts of the city?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I love my job. You know, I love serving. I love um being a voice in the room. Um, that has a certain amount of shared experiences that maybe are unique to those room. And as it relates to those decision-making from a policy perspective, you know, I love, you know, understanding and knowing my background and my story and, you know, how I can try to uplift, you know, other young folks in our city. Um, You know, you know, a lot of times we just like to look at ourselves in the mirror and figure out what we've done the successes that we have, but we also kind of forget about who we were. Right. So I don't forget Mm -hmm. about the little boy who grew up in Northeast Baltimore um in a three-bedroom house with six women i don't forget about sleeping on the top bunk and my sister right under me and my mother in the same bedroom and watching her wake up at four thirty, five 5 o'clock in the morning catch two buses to put food on our table i don't forget about the, the 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 kids i grew up with uh particularly in middle school that were just as smart as me um just you know didn't have the same level of opportunities and kind of where they are so i don't forget about my background and who I am. And I think that that really pushes me to continue uh, to serve because being a public servant, particularly in a city like Baltimore that has been disproportionately divested in from our federal government, our state government uh, and in black and brown communities, our local government, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard work and it's a lot of sacrifice, but you know, I do it for those reasons because like I said, I don't forget about where I come from and, and, and the folks that I try to speak up for on a regular basis.
0: As I listen to you, I hear the person, the human in civic engagement and the human in politics. And I want to lean on that ever so slightly because when I speak to my students, um, my 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 young um, um, black and brown students, uh, give or take uh, 18 to 22-year-olds, they are turned off of politics. And it's not that Tosin wants to shove politics down anybody's throats. Yeah. It's knowing that, we can't actually shun it and we actually have to play different active roles in it. And hearing what you just said, I hope for the students who are listening, who are turned off of politics, they just see the human in the politics and they see the human in the civic engagement because everything you just rattled off and you rattled it off so quickly. I don't see how a young person doesn't relate to some of those things. And it doesn't have to do with all those policies, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, t- to that point, Dr. Tolson, um, I'm still calling you doctor, Tose- um, <laughs> but no, t- to that point. I mean, look, if I'm, li- if I'm growing up in a certain circumstance and my grandfather grew up in that same circumstance and he's been pushing this idea of voting, he's been pushing this idea of the system that's supposed to benefit my family, my community. Um, folks around me. And it has not, you know, I start to lose trust in that system. I start to kind of take back from the system. So that's why it's so important for folks who have the cultural competency to run for office, to mm-hmm. be in these positions of, you know, creating policy, but also with this heart of understanding um, that that empathy that sits out there, it sits out there for a real reason. Yes, yes. Um, and we can't allow like the sacrifice or, you know, a lot of people say a thankless job, you know, it's a reason that folks feel like they don't need to thank you um, because the circumstances that they're in and the conditions that uh, they've been brought up in, in in their environment. So, you know, that's the first thing I talk to young uh, electeds about, about not being discouraged, about hmm. understanding, you know, you're kidding up, you're doing your job, but you're also representing an institution that has failed these communities for decades. Um, and so regardless of my background, regardless of you know how I'm trying to, you know, be the voice of the voiceless or shine light on darkness. At the reality is, to certain folks in our community, and rightfully so, I am still the system. I am yeah. still that institution. I mean, you know, the Baltimore City Council was the first legislative body in the entire country uh, to pass racial zoning laws that say black people could only live here, um, which was really like the precursor to redlining of what we talk about. At the end of the day i'm president of that institution that did that you know regardless i mean there's still residual effects of it um, that we still see in our city charter and that we still see so and 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 have impacted our people so i think that that's really important it's it's both sides it's like understanding knowing why why there's an empathy um uh, and trying to you know uh, dismantle it that way i
0: i i could not appreciate you more for breaking it down that way And again, I'm going to keep on saying this. I do hope it's one of the reasons why I, before we hit record, I told you that you are an important guest to me on this episode, especially as an election year is coming up. I do hope more of our students are listening to the council president, Nick Mosby's of the world, to hear how they position the humanity that still needs to exist within politics i'm going to shift back to hbcu absolutely but not necessarily tuskegee alone but just your love of hbc right yeah so i have this thing on the podcast called the rapid fire segment nick Mosby should know this okay it's 67 seconds on the clock not 60 why do you think it's 67 seconds
1: because seven is the best number it's my that, line number. I
0: was about to say that's his line number.
1: That's <laughs> you. You've done your research. It's my line number. It's it's in my zip code. It's in every. It's my football. It's my high school football number. It everything that's related to seven is is my daughter's birthdays, both of them. I mean, it's a lot of seven. So you have done your research, Doctor Tolson. I'm impressed. Why though? That's not the reason
0: why. Sixty-seven seconds. All your answers are good. All your reasons are good, but it's 67 seconds because 10 HBCUs were founded in
1: 1867. I was about to say that next, Dr. Tulsa. was. Land-grant institution. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'll
0: give it to you. I'll give it to you. Okay, right, you we're going to put 67 right, seconds on the clock. Let's go. And let's go. First question, describe your HBCU experience in one word.
1: Magnificent
0: magnificent if your time this is a good one you you're not allowed to use the q song okay you're not allowed to use this one All right, if no your time, time in if your time in college was a song what song would it be
1: uh it would be um jay-z and memphis bleak um coming to age sequel to
0: okay i don't know it but okay
1: yeah, that uh, that, was my, that was my interview song. So whenever I had an interview my senior year, you know, I would like play that song like 20 times before I went to my interview. I
0: love it. I love it. If you remember, what was your best meal in college?
1: Um it was probably people at Tuskegee going to say from the chicken coop, but I would say from Fred's um uh fish um truck so we used to go and get these uh fish sandwiches on bread and put I would put mustard and hot sauce on it, but that was always a fun treat in Tuskegee. Lovely, lovely. Well most folks are gonna say the chicken coop. The I'll chicken coop. No, we're going with your answer. Your
0: frailty. Um shout out your favorite professor or administrator or person at Tuskegee University. Then or now.
1: I would say she's still there as Miss Henderson. Uh, I Henderson. I wouldn't have graduated from Tuskegee. I wouldn't be where I am. If it wasn't for Miss Henderson, when I got my job, I sent her two dozens of roses uh, because who she was and what she meant to me. And we probably should talk about that story later on, but we only have sixty-seven will. seconds. We
0: will. We're, and the All sixty-seven right. seconds are up. However. Oh man. However. I, I hard, always do job. this. All I right. take I always take the liberty of asking one more question just because it's fun. Do you remember who your commencement speaker was? I don't. I don't remember mine either. So we're, we're in the same boat.
1: <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I have no idea who, who it was. I, I mean,
0: don't remember. It slightly embarrasses me, but not so much. But I don't remember mine either, which cool. makes me wonder how important those things are on some days. Well,
1: I started thinking about, like, how many speeches have I given and the, the young folks remembered or didn't remember me. I hope that they remember. I hope I was impacted
0: you were you were you're nick mosby you're you're impactful so before we get to miss henderson because i do want to hear the miss henderson story i do want to know how do you go i do want to know your college selection journey so how do you go from baltimore to tuskegee how did you make that selection
1: all right so um in baltimore i went to a Uh, a middle school that grossly underprepared me for a school that I was able to get in, the best high school in the entire country, the Baltimore Polytechnic Institute. So I got into (laughs) poly because I wanted to be an engineer, but I was coming from a school called Chinquapin where I just had basic math. At the time, poly, your freshman year, you started in algebra two. So I didn't have pre-algebra, I didn't have algebra one. My first math class was algebra two. Wow. Um, My mother found a program that summer called Upward Bound, Uh, and that was for a first-time college student, you know, the underserved definition, um, where throughout the school year, they would um, give you tutoring on Saturdays, but also during the summertime, you would spend six weeks on a college campus. Well, I did Upward Bound my entire four years at Poly. uh, It helped get me through Poly, and then in, like, my junior year, we went on a college tour. And I'm the first person in my family to go away to college. Uh, so, you know, wasn't a lot of institutional knowledge in my family about where to go, how, you know, all that. So anyway, Edward Brown takes us away. We go on this college tour. And I won't tell you the HBCU name, but we came back and they said, well, what schools do you guys want to apply to? And I told Mr. Green. I said, Mr. Green, I want to go to this school. It's HBCU. And he said, Nick, I think you're a little better than that school. I think you should kind of look at other schools. Hey, I'm not, to tell us. To tell us. I'm not I didn't say the name. I'm not going to say the us. name. I'm not going to I am I am not going to say the name. But it was out of state, right? So, he said, "Well, just keep looking and, you know, but I, I think that you can get to a, 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 a another school." You know, you want to go to HBCU, but I think that you can get to better school. So, I never forget this. I went home maybe a couple days, a couple weeks later in the mail, that's when you took like the PSAT or SAT and colleges okay. that sent you all this mail. I had a, I had a, a, a pamphlet from Tuskegee and it had like Booker T. Washington, George Washington, Carver, it had all these history stuff. And I love history, particularly black history. So I went back that Saturday, Mr. Green, I said, well, Mr. Green, what about Tuskegee? Like, is that like one of these other schools? Cause I mean, we, we, we take it for granted cause we've gone through the process, but mm-hmm. you kind of understand and know like, oh, this school's good for that major. That school's just kind of, fronting like they're good for that. But you don't know, college is college, right? My Absolutely. mother was excited for me to go to any college, right? Mm-hmm. It could be the Dr. Uh, Tolson College of whatever. And she like, you're going to college, great, right? We didn't really understand or no, right? So I went back and he was like, yeah, Tuskegee's a great place. So what Doctor, G- what Mr. Green did, he got on the phone with the Upward Bound down in Tuskegee, Miss 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 um Ms. Woodson, shout out to Miss Woodson. And he arranged... Overbound paid for me to fly down to Tuskegee, He yeah. arranged with her for me to stay on campus for like a weekend, go through the whole tour process, fill out an application process, try to get acceptance process. Was ultimately I went down there, was by myself on campus, but loved the experiment, loved, loved the opportunity, decided that's where I wanted to go. Nice. And that's how I chose to go to Tuskegee. I wanted to go to a HBCU. I wanted at the time major in aerospace engineering. Um, ultimately i switched to electrical engineering but that was my decision making factor of, of going to tuskegee
0: wow 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 so you know what's funny most of the time when we ask that not funny interesting is a better word most of the time when we hear when i ask that question i always hear that the deciding factor was money like a scholarship for yours it sounded as if it was based on what you wanted to study and a a mentor's belief in your greatness and what your greatness needed to be associated with is that
1: accurate that that's accurate and let me be clear i started out with a scholarship uh okay. so uh that was proud i'm pretty sure money was kind of played a role factor. but yeah. i got a whole i got a whole money story about tuskegee as well so i'm not sure we're going to have time to get in that but th- that's that's the next chapter in this I love my HBCU story. We're going to bring
0: you back. We're going to bring you back for that story because I want to hear about Miss Henderson. Tell us about well, this.
1: It's actually connected to Ms. Henderson. Then tell so, it. Go ahead. All right. So so I tell I tell young folks this story all the time. So, you know, like my first time getting on a plane, I packed like 12 bags, just throwing all my stuff in different bags. Go to the airport. They're like, sir, you can't bring 12 bags on this plane. I'm like, what? They know you can only check into whatever. I don't know. Then you have to pay an extra amount for the ones that are oversized. Try to consolidate consolidate my bags as much as possible. Whatever, finally get on the plane. Has to have to pay a couple hundred dollars. You know, I don't have the couple hundred dollars. It was the money I saved up that summer. Uh, shout out to En-ROADS, which was my internship organization. I, I got in as a senior coming out of high school. Um, but anyway, um, go down with my mother, land in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, we drive to Tuskegee. She drops me off campus. Get my dorm room. Um, uh, we meet back up the next day. My mother's like bawling in tears outside of my dorm because um, she's about to leave and fly back to Baltimore. Uh, and now it's my turn to go in and register. So I go stand in line two, three hours, I don't know, waiting. Tuskegee Gymnasium, go up front, fill out all the paperwork. The woman say, look, everything's perfect. Your schedule's perfect. All we need is, I don't know, 1700 whatever the amount was. It was money that I did not have. I said, ma'am, I don't I don't have that money. She said, Well, you have to go to the financial aid office. So I go to the financial aid office, wait in line again for another hour, fill out all these forms, again, loans and stuff for my mother, you know, can't figure out the money situation, whatever. And I'm assigned a financial aid counselor. Bingo, Ms. Henderson. Ms.
0: Henderson.
1: So, long story short, I had this problem. There's always this running joke of all of all my friends in campus. Like, is Nick registered yet? Because every single day, I mean, every single time, come back to school, however I got down to Tuskegee, that's a whole nother story, hitchhiking and planes and trains and automobiles and whatever. However I got back to Tuskegee, it was always like, it's Nick in school yet? Um, and I say that because uh, my junior year, the Board of Regents of Tuskegee I came down and said, hey, if you have a balance, um, you're going to be withdraw- withdrawing from school. You have to automatically withdraw. Um, oh. And um, you know, so I, I remember taking that, that death walk. You know, uh, I, I I walked to Bursar's office, stand in line again for like an hour and um, go up. And I never forget, I say student ID 106306. Know, that was my student ID. We'll never forget that number because I have to use it so much and go through this process so much. And the woman looks down and she says, in her Alabama accent, baby, you uh, don't owe any money. I said, I don't owe any money. So being from Baltimore, I said, "Well, I need you to print that out. Print that yes. out. The piece of paper, Nick Mosby, one hundred six, zero balance." So she printed out, like, "Boom." I'm like, "Well, do you have the transactions, you know, of this account?" She's like, "Yeah, sure." So she goes to another screen. She said, like, "This is weird, you know, five thousand, four thousand, whatever my balance was at the time, was paid on your your uh, was put on your um, in your account yesterday." I was like, "Can you print that out too?" So she prints that out. And I take that paper and I run. Who do I run to? Miss Henderson. Miss Henderson. So I go to Miss Henderson and I shut the door. She said, Nick Mosby, I knew I was going to see you here today. And I said, Miss Henderson. I said, I just went to the bursar. I knew I was getting put out of school. I had no idea how I was going to get home. I had to call my mother because at this point, nobody knows I'm about to be put out of school. Because um, uh, so she's like, um, she said, look, she said, we know that you know, everybody's getting withdrawn. If they have a balance, there's a pot of money that, you know, was, was, that, that was allocated for students. Most of the counselors gave out 500 here or a thousand dollars there. She was like, I gave you most of my money. And she said, the reason why is I know the only thing that's going to stop you from living out all the dreams you talked to me about in Baltimore and all you want to do is money. Uh, that's going to stop you from getting this, uh, this diploma. And, um, you know, I just I hugged her, and it was like a, a real special moment to me. It was like such a huge relief, you know, off of me. And um, you know, ultimately, I graduated. And like I said, you know, when I got my first job, I uh, sent her two dozens of roses. So whenever I go back to homecoming, I make sure I go to find her and see her. Um, but it was literally uh, Ms. Henderson that um, didn't send me back to Baltimore. And th- the reality is, leaving a school like that with that type of debt, coming back home. Having to withdraw from school classes, I know I probably would have never graduated from Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Probably been a challenge to kind of eventually pay off the debt, or you know, try to figure down. it out. So Miss Henderson really um, kind of propelled my next chapter in my life.
0: That was a story worth hearing. Um, I've never heard it before. That was that's Miss Henderson, wherever you are, God bless you. Shout out to
1: Miss Henderson. Yes, that yeah.
0: that was a story worth hearing, and it's a reminder. Oh Lord, it's a reminder of so many things. Um, I it, so many students are probably going through similar situations, not because of withdrawal situations and so on and so forth. But it is mind-numbing to me how much finance plays such a a chokehold. I, I don't have any other words to use. On the education journey of most of our HBCU students, that I'm 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 hoping there's a resolve that makes sense for those who can't afford it at some point in time. Um, Nick, what's the best advice you'd have for your freshman self today?
1: Um don't best take twelve advice bags. I'd have it's 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 what everybody tells you. It's a generic one. Time management.
0: Time management.
1: Uh, you know. So much going on on campus, um, you know, always recreational things to do or mm-hmm. new people to meet or things to see. But, you know, really trying to, you know, not cram, but develop a, a solution of time management to, um, you know, appropriately map out the time that you need for education, but then also for your social life on campus. Um, that's a that's a that's a big transition into to college.
0: You've 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 got You've got two. You 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 mentioned one of them earlier on, based on a birthday. You've got two brilliant daughters. They are. No. Lit- I've met them more than yeah, two they times. Just- they are brilliant. Period. Yeah. They just yeah. are artistic, talented, bright. Um, and I know mom's got to say so in this as well, to some degree, because yeah. they have the say so ultimately. Yes. Yeah. If you could pick. And they wanted to go to an HBCU. Uh-huh. Where would you pick for them?
1: It would be challenging. I mean, I'm not one of these folks. I love my HBCU. Um But I'm not the type of parent that's like you gotta go to my alma mater because of family legacy. You know, I think that you know, each HBCU, and that's why it's it's exciting has its own characteristics, right? Absolutely. You know, some kids want to be further away from home. Some kids want to be closer. Some schools are better from a technical perspective. others are better from a liberal arts perspective. Yes. Some are better as it relates to postgraduate, like getting you into the postgraduate type of track that you need to get into, you know? So there's so many different, um, I mean, I think a lot of times when we talk about HBCUs, we kind of like put it all in like this ambiguous bag of schools but the reality is the complexity of our hbcus are so amazing yeah i mean uh you look at even like here in baltimore the differences between like a morgan state and maybe a smaller school like a coppin state and like what does that mean for an individual student to come in be prepared enough to be successful in those environments right yes. um and so when you go around the country you know all hbcus are created equal you know mr green was exactly right if i would have went to that school Uh, I don't know if I would have the same uh, uh, pathways that I had to get to where I wanted to be. And he knew what I wanted to do. And he knew that, you know, maybe he he used the wrong words of, you know, you're better than that school, but you know, that wasn't the school for me. So, you know, what I'm going to do is just open up the process to my daughters, allow them uh, to kind of be exposed to it and then ultimately provide them advice or guidance based off of Mm -hmm. my experiences um, I know how um, to, you know, hopefully come up with a, a great selection. But both are, are are extremely interested in going to historically black colleges.
0: Okay, okay, okay. That's that's good. That's good. And even if they don't end up at an HBCU, they they're amazing. I, again, I've met them, so I'm not just saying this because he's here. They are pretty amazing. I would be surprised.
1: surprised. Now, this is why I will say. I'll be surprised. If they, from an undergraduate perspective, they don't choose an HBCU. I would be surprised.
0: You'll be surprised if they don't choose an
1: HBCU. Don't you. For, for undergrad, yeah. For
0: undergrad, got it, got it, got it. Okay, finish the sentence for me. Because of my experience at my HBCU, I will not.
1: Because of my experiences at an HBCU, I will not. Um... That's a tough one. I will not. You're stumping me. I I will not. um, I will not uh, forget the significance of a a, a college band. Um, Because when the Marching Pipers walked through the yard at Tuskegee University, everybody and their mother stopped and, and paid attention. And, you know, I was coming from an, an, an area like in Baltimore where maybe in high school bands weren't that important, mm. particularly my high school. I mean, folks at City would probably say that band was important, but we, we didn't even have a band um, when I went to, to you know, in my high school. So just the appreciation of like and the, the, the tapestry of all the different instruments and, 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 and the enthusiasm. You know, it it really is like a a really important thread to like the HBCU um, campus. And it's funny now to see it exposed. I mean, Alabama A&M was the first HBCU band to lead the Macy's Day Parade. They ultimately are the first HBCU band to ever exist. So, you know, the history that they have. But it's funny to see like how from a national perspective, particularly like the big Mm. Um, um predominantly uh white schools are taking on and adopting some of the things that you know these HBCUs have been doing forever. Um, I saw an Auburn game this year where they did swag surf, uh, the band was leading and the whole crowd was kind of doing swag surf, which is cool, but you know, if you're from an HBCU, you know, that's like a uh, It's basic uh, for us. It's yeah, what we do it's, it's a staple in like, you know, a homecoming and, and everything. So you know, I, I think the exposure and I think one of the big part is, um, and I'll be real, like Jackson State and what Deion Sanders did yes. from a football perspective and exposing a lot of the culture nationally because he had that platform to do so, Absolutely. Um, providing a lot of opportunities for things. So I would say the band, I, I will never forget the importance of uh, the band on the yard.
0: You you mentioned that, and I recall when President Wilson, President David Wilson at Morgan State University, when he came to Morgan Always talked at least my one-on-one conversations with him about how Tuskegee University's band was sometimes the heartbeat of student life, student culture, student energy, and it, it's something that it it had its it literally had its own heartbeat for the campus. So it's it's interesting you would mention that because that's the first thing I thought about. I was like, hold on, David Wilson said that if you listen to, I mean, we love Morgan State University's band. I'm sorry. I'm really, really proud of our band. But if you hear Tuskegee University's band, there's something about it just bringing all the students together. So that's a good yeah. one.
1: They, they would randomly like walk through campus at night, you know, just like the whole band just playing. and Everybody would run out and go look to see. And, you know, it's the whole, they wear these paper bags over their heads, which was kind of weird. I don't, I don't really know the Band culture and, and yeah. the, the symbolism of all that, but yeah. it was it was always a, a, a joy and a treat.
0: That's a lo- that's amazing. Before you leave us, uh, um, Nick, I want you to leave our audience with a parting word or phrase or short phrase on why you specifically love HBCUs.
1: Well, I think uh, HBCUs is a symbolic representation of like the importance of education to us individually, but more importantly, collectively. You know, as I sit as city council president, you know, I think the one thing that we don't give HBCUs enough credit for is, you know, they're like probably the biggest variable of increasing um, middle class opportunities for African-Americans. Um, you know, the thing about like, you know, myself, you know, I'm 44 years old, first person in my family to go away to college. Um, but what that has done not only for um my young daughters, but also for the generations that put me in a position to be able to do so. Uh, And then the family members that are in my family that have gone on to college since. So, um, you know, I'm thankful for my HBCU experience. I wouldn't trade it in for anywhere. I know majoring in something like electrical engineering, um, transitioning um, from like a a school like um, in in Baltimore uh, to a place like Tuskegee was just like the perfect landing pad uh, for me to like excel academically. Um, while growing as a man and growing professionally. Uh, So again, I wouldn't trade my experience at Tuskegee for anything.
0: You heard it from Nick Mosby, Council President Nick Mosby of Baltimore City. I appreciate you for being my guest um, at this episode. I hope most importantly, that when my students especially, and when I say my students, I really am referring to every HBCU student in the country and not just my personal students at Morgan State University. When they hear you, they remember the humanity in our civic engagement and politics because it is important to the fabric of our lives. And they remember that they have a role to play in it as well. But they also remember that Nick Mosby is an amazing human being who gives people credit when they show up in his life. Cause I'm going to remember the Ms. Henderson story. I'm sorry, remember but I'm Ms. going Henderson. to. I'm and don't forget about
1: Ms. Woodson and Mr. Green, all three of them. All it, three it, it's of part them. part of my Tuskegee story.
0: I appreciate you. I thank everyone who has watched us and everyone listening to the sound of our voices for tuning into, I love my HBCU question mark this episode. Till next week. Yours in HBCU love. Nick Mosby. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Tolson. I look forward to coming back on. Got a couple other stories for you too. So whenever I come back on, I got another really, really funny and important Tuskegee story. But thanks for having me on today. I
0: can't wait. Thank you. You've been listening to I Love My HBCU Question Mark. Let's keep the conversation going as we share our stories and encourage more practical support of HBCUs whilst of course, holding each other accountable. Don't forget to follow and subscribe for the latest episodes. Until next time, love and lift your HBCU.